The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! I like that. Hey, it's good to see you back. I hope you had a, a, a great time. I hope you had some good time off. It's always a kind of a pact, but uh, it's a new year and it's time to go. Uh, I'm excited to be back. It's been good to have family time, but uh, it's always good to be, kind of get in the groove again and, and get going. I know that sometimes that can be, uh, sometimes it can, gosh, I know for me, sometimes it can feel hard, even though I'm ready, but I'm ready. I get out of kind of a rhythm over the, over the holidays, and I get excited about coming back and getting kind of into a, a, a rhythm again and getting after some of the things that uh, are exciting, that are hopeful. I, you know, the, the holidays are always that time, you know, especially around New Year's where it's, you know, it's kind of the mixture of, of up and down. And, and I think we bring that into this time of year as well. I mean, it's, you know, the, the holidays are just jam-packed. It's a joyful time, but it's also a lot of times it can be a mixed time for us. I know that for me, it was basically, there's a lot of good, but there was, you know, some downs um, as well. Christmas Eve, honestly, was uh, pretty awesome. It was pretty good. I actually brought a couple pictures, you know, just to share with you guys. On one hand, uh-oh, a little technical stuff there, but on one hand, I went home with an angel. Awesome. On the other hand, Caleb didn't eat his tail this time, which is great. Uh, earlier in the year, he, uh, as a little sheep, decided he was going to go for it. So I was kind of nervous, but we did well. We did well. We, we got through, you know, we got through kind of the moment. I mean, there's... Um, we got through the, the time, you know, we, we had fun with family, and families was always kind of that mixed bag. It's sort of that, it's good to be with friends, it's good to be with family, and yet there are these moments when you also, you're looking at, and there's like snotty noses everywhere, and you're tired, and you're thinking, this should be fun, but my kids are exhausting me, right? And you're like, ugh, it's kind of an up, it's kind of a down, it's, you know, on the one hand, it's an up, I mean, I'll just, you guys probably know, I'm not a huge Husky fan, but it was pretty awesome, See the way the Huskies, I just, I'm not a huge football guy, and yet I just sat, it was like, that was an amazing, it was an awesome game. Uh, Brenna, if you don't know, was actually there, which was awesome, yeah, it was a good time, the dogs actually came back, which was amazing. New Year's, you know, we always have uh, yeah, fun around New Year's, uh, we get together with some friends, and uh, this time I came out uh, New Year's Day, and you know, it was a whole new year, I was ready to get going. I uh, had a good time. It's time to go home. I, I come out and my car has been sideswiped. Somebody, I'm just gonna guess that maybe they had a, a little intox, a little intoxicated, a little too much. They just like rammed the side of my car and then just drove off. I mean, and there's nobody I could find. There was nobody uh, even even around, and yet so that it's all crushing on the side. I can barely get the door open just enough, you know, that I can get in there, which is you know. Saying a lot, so I'm just I'm I'm trying to squeeze in there. So it's just like, really, this is what my New Year's going to be like. But you know, then the next day, I got my bar out, I fixed that sucker. Felt good. It felt like I was able to take this thing and get my car drivable. At least the door opened, you know, so I'm not yelling at it. Uh, you know, I have that car that everybody like takes. You know, you end up kind of giving a lot of space to that car, right? It's had a couple accidents. You're like, oh, maybe they got hit. Or maybe they are spatially challenged. We're not really sure, right? So we're not going to take the risk. But it's that up and down. And I think, you know, you look at magazines and, and newspapers, and it's that time of year where we start to review. You know, we start to think back. What happened in that last year? What was good? What, what did we like? What did, what did we not like? And then you start looking forward, and, you know, there's full of stuff. 
Here's what we're going to do in this new year. Here's, here's, you know, 30 tips for how to actually lose weight this year or, or, you know, live a stress-free life or whatever it is, right? All magazines, newspapers, they're packed with this stuff. We look back and, and usually there's a sense of, uh, I wish we had something more. And then we look forward and go, I hope, I hope there can be something. I was in Top Pot, um, donut, we were grabbing donuts with some friends and Caleb and he looked down at the, the stranger caught his eye, which is always kind of dangerous, right? And they had, you know, Spider-Man on the front, which, you know, Caleb loves Spider-Man. He's like, hey, daddy, look, Spider-Man's got his head in the toilet. And you're like, oh, yeah, he doesn't feel so good in his tummy. Because it was all about, they're like, they're basically it was like, here's the most shameful things that have happened. You know, we're going to record them over the last year or so. Um, and yet we also start looking forward, right? Don't we? We start thinking that perhaps, you know, something could change. Perhaps it, if I did something different, it, it's that moment where we have a, a, just a little bit of hope. The year hasn't gone on long enough for us to get discouraged or to, or to realize that it, it's not going to work out. We have just a little bit of time where we finally, we give no excuses. This time I'm going to will, I'm going to will it in, right? It's the time when everybody signs up for the gym and then, you know, quits in February, you know, March if they're really feeling bad about it. You know, it's that time when we, we start new things and yet there's a sense where it's, yes, it takes our will if we're going to change things. Yes, perhaps uh, we need new information. Maybe we need new tips. Maybe we need a, a, a new way to approach diet or exercise or, or anything else. And yet there's something that's always uh, missing as well. Because we realize that there's a sense where we don't live in a neutral environment. You know, we can look back on our year and, and perhaps maybe this is for some of you. You just go, that was just a horrible year. I'm glad 2010 is over. You know, stuff happened that was outside of your control. You, you were laid off from work. You, you couldn't find work. You know, you know, your car got hit, right? It was just thing after thing. You had that totally outside of your control. Just made it a, a miserable time. Or you look back and you go, you know, I, I look, what did I do with my year? Who, who have I become? And you look back either with, with a sense of regret for things that you did. And you go, wish I hadn't. Or things that you realize there's a whole slew of things that you wish you had done, but you didn't. And you go, oh, I wanted to so bad. There's something more that we need. There's a sense of not just will, not just information, but motivation. That there's this moment where we kind of need to step back and say, why? Because we're all, you know, we're all good at gritting our teeth. And yet gritting our teeth isn't usually ever enough. If we don't really know why, we can hang in there for a while. I, I made it through a, one class of accounting. It almost killed me, but I can do it. I'm pretty strong, right? I made it through. I made it through Greek in seminary. It almost killed me, but I could do it, right? But there's a sense of what's the motivation behind it? Why the, the why? Why should I put in the time? Why should I sacrifice? Why should I say no to something that feels good? There's got to be a compelling reason why. What I want to do for us is that, you know, we, we get involved in, in certainly any community, any church community. We, we're, we're doing things and there's activities that fill our schedule and, and it, we just get busy. And even there are times where for me, I go, why? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? They're all good things. There's nothing bad here, but why? So before we, we really kind of officially get into any series or get going, I want to just tonight, just to kind of review the why. What, what is it that we're about? Why, what are we actually doing here? 
before we take off uh, and start doing all the great things that are in store for us. And I want to do it by kind of just reading through a passage that is really the guiding passage uh, that um, I know that I've used, I've used with leadership as we kind of dream, what is God calling us to in particular? And that passage is Colossians 1. So if you want to open up your Bibles, I encourage you to do it. In fact, I hope you bring your Bibles over uh, the next while so that you can write in them, that you can underline them uh, as we go along. But I want us to have tonight, we're going to look, um, I'm just going to read through, and I, I chose the message this time. Um, I often don't, but um, this time I thought it would be helpful. And what I want to do is I just want to read through, and just for us to take some time and just say, why? What is it that we're about? And what are we doing? So let me pray just before we jump in. Lord, thanks for... Um, each and every person here tonight, for those that you brought and for the stuff that they brought, for uh, the ups and for the downs. Lord, I pray that uh, in this time, this small moment where we begin to think about fresh starts, I pray that, that we would have our eyes uh, somehow opened to you and that before we start doing things in hope, in hope of uh, making changes or, or or doing something that we really hope matters, Lord, that our eyes first and foremost would be focused on you. So open our eyes tonight, Lord, to, the, to why you are calling us and what you're calling us to and why it matters. Well, I pray this in your name. Amen. Let me just read through and uh, make some comments. Paul begins, and, and uh, again, feel free to, to read along uh, in your version as well. He says, he says this, Be assured that from the first day we heard of you. And he's talking to the church in, Col- in, Col- in uh, Colossae. We haven't stopped praying for you. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you will live well for the master. That's his translation of, of the word Lord. We'll pray that, that you'll live well for the master. Making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you'll learn how to do your work. And we'll pray that you have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the the glory strength that God gives. It's strength that endures the unendurable, that spills over into joy. Thanking the Father who made us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. I, I, I love... Um, what Eugene Peterson does as, he, as he's grappling with the text and how he translates it. Is he talks about really what he's saying is, it, well, he's presenting a prayer, and I think that's maybe why I resonate with it, because I think, you know, what's the prayer of my heart? Where's the hope that I have for the community that I'm a part of, for the community that I get to play a role in? What's my heart? What's my prayer for you? And I think that's, that's why I, get, I just gravitate um, to this. But, but it, more than that, it, it's the sense of, it, it acknowledges that, you know, our life is full of, of work, and yet there's, there's something more. That, that It's not that we get out of work, but it's that we might, how to, we might be able to, to learn how to do our work better. Perhaps in a way that, that, that pays bigger dividends, that, that matters more. That, that at the end of our day, we feel like we can stand and go... That, that was meaningful. It mattered. Somehow that maybe that what we do, even if it feels mundane, that it would have a sense of, of connecting to God. That is, you know, it's as we, as we watch how God works, you're going to learn how to do your work. Uh, if you haven't listened to this, the sermon on Sunday um, 
from Earl Palmer, our pastor of marriage, came back and he, he was sharing about leadership. And, and if I could sum up why we looked at incarnate leadership during Advent, it would be an Earl sermon. And essentially it's this. He says, look, he took this passage, and some of you will know about it, where, where there's an argument kind of over who gets to be greatest. And, and Jesus is, is pretty brilliant in this. And he says, look, the Gentiles... In other words, those out there, they lord, those are in authority, they lord it over you. In other words, they push you down. But I want to tell you something different. I want you to think about your authority, the, your position, the, uh, to whatever extent you have a, a sense of power, to think about raising up, to, to, be, to be a servant. That, that, that's what transforms the way that, that we interact. That's what turns things upside down. So that when you walk into a room, people don't go. And this is, I love how Earl said this, and I'm going to butcher it. But he said, you don't fill the room because your ego is so big. That's how authority and leadership usually looks. But when you come into a room, the room gets filled up because you lift everybody up. See, I want you, I don't care where you're exercising your own sense of authority you're you're all in places of authority you're all leaders to one degree or another the question is are are you pushing people down or are you raising them up i hope that when you come into a room that that the effect of that is that somehow people feel like they just got raised up well i hope you learn to do your work better but you know that one of the things that i think about is this this idea of sticking out over the long haul and, and that gets translated as perseverance it's not it's not a very fun word it's not a real sexy word Maybe you should make a t-shirt for it. I don't know. Perseverance is sexy again. I don't, anyways, sticking it out over the long haul. But honestly, here's, here's why I love this. And here's where my prayer just resonates for you guys. I think about perseverance because I hope that something happens right now for you. I hope that tonight is great. I hope that tonight you feel the presence of God powerfully in your life and you leave here excited. I hope. But I actually don't ultimately care about that. My prayer is for five years down the road. You're welcome. My prayer is for five years down the road. My prayer is that you're going to have perseverance. That there is going to be a sense that you've grown in knowledge, um, in power, that you had a sense of God's presence in your life, so that when you get married, you have a marriage that lasts. That you don't become a statistic. That, that perhaps that what happens in five years, that because of what happens now, whether a particular night is great or not, that, that your time in convergence somehow began to, to point your eyes towards Jesus in a way that, that began to build in you the, the power to persevere, to stick it out over the long haul. So that maybe you can change the story of your family. Your concept of marriage can be one where you go, it can work. I'm, I'm actually thinking 10 years down the line that when you have kids, that you become the kind of parent that, that maybe is taking, is taking one step further ahead than your parents. You're more present than your father was because he was more present than his father was. That you were more loving than your mother was. Hopefully because she was more loving and her mother was, that you begin to, to move your family line along. It begins to be transformed instead of taking a, a step back. I'm, I'm thinking 20 years out. I'm, I'm hoping that you don't have a midlife crisis and begin to wonder, what am I doing with myself? I, yeah, I'm successful. Yeah, I have a big house. 
yeah, I, I have a car. I don't, if you have those things, great. I just hope that you don't come to the place where you go and it doesn't mean anything. And so I got to go somehow find some meaning in my life and, and my family doesn't mean anything. So I'm going to go try to, try to find something that makes me feel good. And, and so you begin just messing around, damaging other people, destroying other people's families. I hope that, that in 20 years, or maybe it's five years out, that, that when you don't hear the voice of God, you don't think God must not exist. Because I don't feel them right now. Because I don't feel that affirmation that I felt like I did when I was, when I, when I first came to faith when I was a kid. So maybe, maybe faith really was just a thing that was great when you're a kid, but I'm an adult now and God doesn't exist. Because I don't hear him. I don't feel that affirmation. I don't, I don't feel the warm fuzzies I used to. Nothing wrong with that, but gosh, not hearing that voice is not, not just about God, although we like to blame that on God. You're not going to hear that from your spouse. You're not going to hear that from your boss. Some of you are in that situation probably right now. You're working, you're working your brains out. You're knocking yourself out. You're doing a great job, and nobody around you is recognizing it. I hope that you don't just bail just because somebody's not giving you a trophy and a thumbs up. I remember Noah, he played basketball. Man, I... And it was a good, you know, we thought it was a good experience. He was into it. And yet at the end, you know, nowadays, you know, every kid regardless gets a trophy at the end of things. And I, you know, I'm not against it. I mean, he does, you know, you want to encourage him. You don't, you know, you want, I mean, he's five, for goodness sakes. You want him to have a good experience of a, of a game and stuff like that. But, you know, he's, the coach goes around, bless his heart. I mean, he's the nicest guy. He goes around and he's like saying things about like every kid, right? And I'm just thinking, you don't do that. Because what are you going to say when you come to Noah? I love him. He's my son. There isn't a thing you can say about him. You can't even say you tried hard because he didn't. (laughs) I mean, if he's going to win an award, it's because he spent the most time staring at the ceiling and spinning in the middle of a game. Right? That's all. I love him. And he might love basketball at some point. But this time, just there's you can't give him an award for anything. Right? Sometimes we feel like we always need to get that, that sense of affirmation back, but, you know, some, we get that, and, and, and we often deserve it, but often we don't necessarily get it. You're not going to have your spouse 20 years out always tell you how much uh, she loves you, how, or he loves you, or how beautiful you are, or how awesome you are. or how, You're not going to get that as much as you want. That voice is going to go silent. I'll tell you this, I might be married to an angel, but Shannon gets an F in t- telling me how awesome I am all the time. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, sometimes I have to remind her, you know, I am awesome. Did you, you've forgotten to tell me about it. I mean, there are these times. It's just my duty as a man to remind you. There are those times where you begin to say, okay, I'm not getting the affirmation as much as I want. Is this time to stick it out or bail? See, I'm hoping 50 years out that, that, that you're that, that old person that you love. When you're just flat out old, there's no other way of saying it. Mature, uh, great in years, I think, is said in, you know, uh, in, in, or I thought this is like we talked about, I think it's Zechariah in the Christmas story. He was great in years. I thought, oh, that's a great way of saying you're just flat out old. <laughs> great in years. When you're great in years, you're old, I hope that you're the old person that everybody wants to be around. Because you're so full of joy that um, people just flock to you. It doesn't matter if you dress funny. 
I hope you die well. I hope the moment comes when you die, that you die well. Because I think we probably all know that some people, it's rough at the end. There are some memorials where no one's really sorry that that person's gone. See, I want to, I, I want you to be able to experience this perseverance because I want you to be able to experience everything that is bright and beautiful that God has in store for you. And the only reason way you're going to do it is if your life is set on, on a trajectory that God has for you. Because the things that are bright and beautiful usually come after the darkness. I have enough life experience now to know that. The things that are bright and beautiful and amazing and truly joyful in my marriage, I've talked to this many times. And I, I want you to hear this because I don't want you, I don't want you to think that, that it has to be good all the time because sometimes we just don't have people, and especially this is in the church, we don't have people that say, that say it's hard. It's like if you follow Jesus, it's always great. No, it's not. It flat out sucks sometimes. And yet there are these moments where you stick through it and you begin to realize, you hang in there and you realize this beauty that you never would have experienced if you hadn't persevered, if you hadn't stuck in there, if you hadn't continued to grow and hang in the unendurable, I think, that you endure the unendurable on the other side of that is the kind of life that we all long for, but oftentimes don't always make the decisions that lead us that way. I was reminded, um, in particular, of a great model this uh, week. Um, Some of you may know um, a person who's been around our community here. It's one of the reasons I love UPC, because of some of the amazing folks that I've gotten to know um, who are greater in years than I. Um, and one of them is, is this guy named Connie Jacobson. Connie Jacobson is probably one of the most joyful guys you will ever meet. Um, he uh, has white hair. He's an old dude. I used to meet with some guys that w- we would get together with Connie, and we would call him Gandalf. Um, not because he had a beard, because he just was so stinking wise. Well, Connie died yesterday uh, uh, after battling cancer. Um, for a while. Um, and it's a brutal loss. And here's the thing. I, um, I feel like I wouldn't have made it, or at least not have made it as well, over the last four years of being here if it hadn't been for Connie. Connie has this amazing ability to um, encourage people. And one of the things that's so great about Connie is his simplicity. In fact, that's what I like about him. You know, you come to him with this really difficult problem that's complicated and, um, you know, you want strategy and you want, how do I, how do, I do the angles on this? And he just kind of goes, well, let's pray about it. And you're like, oh, no, don't. And then, but as you sit with him, you know, or he goes, let's, let's open a psalm. Or I wonder what, gosh, I wonder what Jesus would do. And you're like, don't tell me what Jesus would do. Make it complicated and give me some nuggets. Of wisdom, and yet that's what I loved about it. I actually, that's why I, I would continue to, to get together with him because I go, man, there's something that is so brilliant about him that that is uh, unbelievably transforming and encouraging. And the thing is, I barely knew him, and yet I felt like uh, whenever I got together with him, I felt like I was probably the most important person in the world 
He was so excited about me, what I was doing, what God was doing in and through my life. He'd listen to me. He'd sit with me. He'd pray with me. And yet the thing about Connie is that you wouldn't really know him because he's not, he's not head of any, uh, uh, anything particularly large. Basically, he was young life director for years. And then he realized, I don't know that I really like being a young life director, although he was perfectly fine at doing that. You know, what I like doing is small groups. And he had some guys that came up through young life and he goes, hey, just because, you know, Connie, just because, um, just because we grew up doesn't mean that we don't need a group. Can we do a campaigners group? I mean, for old dudes? You know, and Connie's like, sure. Well, it ends up Connie has been like basically starting small groups for the last 30 some odd years. Groups are all over. They're still meeting together. Connie has invested in countless uh, men in particular. There are men's groups. Had huge impact. And the thing is, I bet every single one of them thinks that Connie uh, thought that they were the greatest in the world. That's Connie. And the thing about, I loved about Connie is, look, you know that, I think I have, sorry, I have the clicker on me, don't I? Somewhere. I got all my pockets. Oh, right here. <laughs> got it. Um, the thing about Connie is that he got this last section in Colossians. Um, let me read it. It says, he continues on, that God rescued us from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much. The son who got us out of the pit we're in, got rid of the sins that were doomed to keep repeating, the, the, if you read like in, in, um, in another version or the NIV or something like that, it's just a sense of like, we have been redeemed. God has poured out his grace on us. Here's the thing about Connie I love. He's the, he's the holiest dude I know. Bar none. Holiest dude I know. My grandfather might be up there with him. Holiest dude I know. Even within the last three months, I sat in a meeting where he and a bunch of other guys that I totally respect sat around. Holy dudes. Okay, you would look at them and you would think holy. And they're like, gosh, I just realized what a sinner I am. But God is so good. See, the thing about them, they didn't beat themselves up, but they continued throughout their entire lives to have the sense of realizing God's incredible grace for them. They didn't get hard and brittle. Man, they, they came alive the older they got. Well, there's a sense that I certainly want to see perseverance for your life, but I, this passage takes us... Uh, a step further. We read this. Paul goes on. He says, He, that's Christ, was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He's supreme in the end. From the beginning to the end, He's there, towering far above everything, everywhere. So spacious is He, so roomy that everything of God fits its proper place in Him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People, things, animals, atoms, everything gets properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood that was poured out for us on the cross. See, the thing I love is that when God comes in, he does something amazing in us. He begins to transform us. That, that there's this day when suddenly I'm complete, when suddenly uh, um, I'm, I'm actually f I'm more faithful than I am, more loving than I am, that, that, that I somehow I grow and I get past the hurts that have happened to me. But, but it's bigger than that because God is about redeeming all of creation. And so our story gets caught up not just with our personal life, but with the restoration of everything. Because that's what God is doing. And he's saying, I want you to be a part of. So here, here's the thing. Here's what I love. Is that for us, what I want to see is, how do we begin to join that? And I don't care how. In fact, I, I love that wherever your place, that's where God has sovereignly placed you. 
for this moment. You don't have to stay there, but I hope you don't run unless you have a sense that God has called you out of that. I was talking with someone today about, I was reading, a, um, uh, this person uh, is in the arts and theater, and, and I was reading an, uh, an article in a Christian magazine that was, you know, said, hey, listen, no judgment, but uh, we just got to have a discussion here. Why do Christian movies, um, or why are they so bad? <laughs> I'm afraid I don't, uh, I agree. And it, and, but it's not that it's just Christian movies, but there's something in there. Why do they just fall flat? It, there's stories that need to be told. We see those movies in which there's something in us that comes alive that goes, yes, that is real. But we need more of those. It's not just Christian movies that are bad. There's lots of movies. I mean, I saw The Expendables this last year. I mean, talk about a down, right? It's just like Stallone. I hurt for you, you know? So it's those things with how do we tell good stories? Maybe you're a part of telling good stories. I, I, I feel God cares about our cities, how is it that our cities can be built in such a way that humanity is enhanced and not diminished? I mentioned this briefly before. A fascinating study on housing that came out of uh, kind of after post-war. Kind of this modern mindset. Hey, all humans need is basically 12 by 12. Give them, and that, so we'll do public housing. They did that. It was like being in a jail cell. And what it did to the culture of that building, it people people were dehumanized and started tearing each other apart. It was the building that had something to do with bringing out the humanity in people. How do we create spaces, cities, that bring out and enhance humanity instead of diminishing it? How, how do we govern with justice? How do we do what is right? If you're in a position uh, politically or, or within any kind of organization, how do we govern with justice? How do we have a sense of, of business being transformed where we don't just kind of roll eyes and go, well, yeah, business is business, and then I got my church life over here. No, business has a huge impact. A good business has an incredible impact in a community. A bad business, a business run by uh, um, greed, avarice, uh, run by simply the bottom line, destroys people. God wants you to be part of pushing it the other way. How do we live with a keen sense of, of purpose that transcends a job so that we don't feel like, at the end of the day, gosh, if I don't have a job, I don't have an identity. I can't do anything. How do we begin to live with a sense? That's what I hope. So I, for us, this tagline came up for us. What's the goal of convergence? What is it that I hope this community can be? Well, I hope this community can be a place where somehow we get to be a part of releasing God's future today. Because God's future today is what Paul's describing here. God, that's God's future, and yet it has started at the cross. That it's happening even now, and we have a choice. Do we get to be a part of it, or do we get to resist it? I hope that we can be a part of it. That, what, that the power of God can be released in your life for your sake, for your family's sake, for the, for the sake of the city. I hope that somehow, for however long that you're here, that you're a part of us, that somehow that what we can do is to begin to release what God wants to do in your life. So what's our job? Lastly. What's our job and what's God's job? Because it's not true to say there's no role for us. Well, it's all, it, it, on one hand we go, you look, God, um, look, God's got to do this. I can't do it on my own. And yet we also go, yeah, but there's something, there is something though that I do. So what is our job and what is um, God's job? Well, essentially, I would say it's this. Our job is simply to respond. Our job is to respond. I, I got, um, I got, 
Yeah, I'm going to make you watch some more, look at some more pictures from my vacations. Picture, we were down in, uh, we had a wedding, this is back in Thanksgiving. Um, we got to the beach, you know, and, and, you know, you come from Washington, you go down to San Diego, and you think, well, it should be 70 degrees and hot or, you know, all year round. And then you're like, well, oh, it's cold here, it's, but what's the matter? Well, it's winter. That's the matter, right? But we got to the beach, and, and Noah started immediately grabbing stuff, and he was and he was pulling, um, you know, seaweed and, and running it back and f- back and forth, and, and we just got to, to to sit there, and it was um, it was fun. It was fun to watch him. But as I, as I was thinking about these these pictures, I started thinking, you know, that there's a, there's a couple ways that you could view this because you know, on one hand, you could you could say, well, the wind could have defined the moment because it was windy and it was cold. The temperature could have defined the moment. Um, you know, the fact that seaweed is seaweed is gross could have defined the moment. Clearly, it didn't for Noah. You know, it, it's hard. You know, look at you know, look at that poor kid struggling, right? Well, so Noah was grabbing seaweed back and forth, and you go, um, wh- what is it? What is it that defines this moment? Well, what was so amazing is that eventually he came to the the spot, and he would run back and forth, and yet he would stop. I mean, it was freezing cold, and yet he would stop. And, and I caught this picture of him that, that hit me, that on one hand, it means a lot to me because, you know, it looks like a stock photo in some ways. I'm, I'm that good. <laughs> it means a lot to me, though, because, it, 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 because I know who it is. And what was so wonderful is there was a sense of Noah running back and forth for us where he had this moment of stopping and, and looking and Sort of basking in the in the beauty of the moment, and seeing what's happening, that 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 moment wasn't just that it was cold or it was hard work. It's that that his work was done in this place of unbelievable beauty. See, the thing is, Noah could do all the work that he wanted, all the work by the light of the sun, but not even look at the sun, not even acknowledge its its, its existence. He could go back and just go, "Yeah, this is really hard work. I can't believe somebody didn't pick up the seaweed. It's all on me." And just be and just be and running back and forth and picking it up. That could be his whole thing. He, his choice. He has a choice, and his choice is to stop, and to look, to pause, and to look at the beauty of the moment that actually defines what is happening there. Um, it strikes me that it helps us understand what, what even something like worship is. That really, the running back and forth, the doing our work, but then stopping for a moment and going, holy smokes, that's awesome. Okay, back to it. That's kind of what we do. It's the, it's the in and the out. It's, it's not all work, and yet it's not all that. It's just the Christian life is not just about being sort of spiritual and sitting in worship, and that, that's all it is. No, we've got to get our hands dirty. He's called us to do something, but it's the pause. That that's what brings life, that that's what defines the moment in a whole new way. You know, it's funny how our choices and what we choose to sort of bask in or, or see, or I would say, you know, set our identity in, makes all the difference. It's a, and that is a choice. I mean, the sun is pretty dramatic. I mean, it's overwhelming in a sense, but he doesn't have to see it. He doesn't have to stop. He doesn't have to look at it. And yet when he does, it begins to define who he is. Well, who, that becomes our motivation, and it's our motivation that is going to begin to drive our actions. See, we could talk a lot about what we need to do or not do. 
things that we should do or not do, things that we should stay away from, things that we should um, engage in. It, but ultimately, it's not about doing more stuff. In a lot of ways, when we gather for worship, it's about saying, we're going to take a moment each and every week, or, or when I join a small group, I'm going to take a pause each and every week to let my identity, let my eyes be focused on something other than the chaos of my week. I'm going to let my identity be, in a sense, change. Think about this, how your identity works. If you're, if you're crazy in love, if you think, I'm in love and she loves me or he loves me, your actions usually are that of an idiot, Right? You do stupid stuff because you're in love. What happens when you realize that she doesn't love you, he doesn't love you, right? Your actions uh, immediately change. What happens if you think fundamentally, I'm worthless. I don't really have a lot of value. Your actions are going to come out of that. Even the motivation might look different. Either you're going to spend a lot of time trying to prove to people that you're worthwhile, trying to prove your worth, trying to prove your usefulness. Sometimes that'll be positive. Sometimes you'll you'll just be an overachiever. Sometimes, man, you'll do anything that anybody asks of you. You'll let them treat you like garbage. At least I'm useful in some way. When unfortunately, you you miss out truly bringing worth and usefulness to a situation. Our identity changes. Uh, so it's, it's what changed, it's what was driving the Colossian church. The Colossian church believes all kinds of crazy stuff. And so in chapter 2, Paul goes in and he says, look, you guys are doing ridiculous things because your identity is off. And that's why he starts uh, with this. So this is why we do things. I don't want you to do more. I'm hoping that what we do here helps you do better. And yet we do things like mission trips. We're going to go to Haiti. We don't go to Haiti because um, we think that we're the greatest thing that uh, Haiti's ever seen. We're going to be helpful, for sure. We're going to be useful. And yet what we know, what I've experienced is that the small step that you take, the action that you take, puts you in a position where you have your eyes opened up to something either beautiful or something sad. You have your eyes opened up to perhaps something that God has been trying to hammer into your thick skull for a while, but you just can't see it. You go down and suddenly you realize that you can connect into something bigger than the reality that you were living in your little bubble that feels so small. Suddenly it gets expanded. That, that mission trips are as much about you being transformed as they are about coming alongside missionaries and blessing them and just giving them encouragement and, and connecting, letting people know in another country that someone who doesn't even know them cares about them. So we do community groups. So you go week in, week out, you know, to hang out with people that you probably don't want to hang out with. You get around because something happens as you do that. that When you show up and you open up the word, that that you begin to, to the word comes alive in in a new way that you just never saw before. That as you you talk about it, you bounce it around, you begin to, to realize how the word is actually alive. You begin to learn what it means to actually put up with somebody and love them. And hang in there in a way that maybe begins to help inform the way that you do your work or you engage with your family. Or, or maybe it's just building in for that day when you're going to have to endure something big. And you better have some kind of experience on how to love people, even when it's not hard. We do these things not so that we fill our time together, but so that we can be transformed. It's what we do with worship. And over the next little while, we're going to do a series. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple of ways uh, 
in which we can begin to kind of, kind of bask in the glow, in a sense, of who God is, that we can have our eyes fixed on God and have him define our identity instead of our identity being conformed by the world around us. It's really, it's the kind of things that, that people who, as they think through worship and they kind of, they, they, they tap into tradition and liturgy, they, they go, if we're going to tap into the fullness of who God is, here's some of the ways we need to do it. Now, it doesn't always happen in a worship service. It doesn't even always have to happen in a worship service. But as we begin to look at these things, my hope is that we can begin to have our eyes opened to what God is doing um, around us. Or we can begin to learn what our response is and then see as we step out in faith how God does something in, in our life that we never would have expected. This morning, um, I was, uh, took out our Christmas tree, and there were needles everywhere, you know, as it always is. And I was trying to, I was trying to clean up, and I was going to take Caleb, who's uh, our little guy, um, out uh, to school. And so we're, we're just talking, and I said, hey, buddy, how was, your, how was your day yesterday? You know, first day back to school, he's like, oh, it wasn't, wasn't very good. So I was, like, you know, I was asking him why, and we were, talk, we were talking a little bit about it. And I said, you know, Caleb, I, yesterday wasn't very good for me either. I, I lost one of my good friends. He died. And uh, he taught me a lot. And he showed me what God's love looked like. And so I'm kind of sad about that. And uh, I said, you know, there's, the great thing is, though, that he is... Um, uh, he loved Jesus like crazy, and he's uh, in Jesus' full embrace now. And so there's hope, and there's hope beyond death. And, you know, so, you know, it's kind of funny because you start talking about life, death, resurrection with a three-year-old <laughs> and, uh, as much as you can. And and um, we start talking about kind of this, this sort of thing, uh, you know, about kind of what we do and what God does. And I go, you know, it's kind of like, and I, this came to me because I'm not, this is, Jesus, because, anyways, I'll tell you about it in a minute. Because I, I, when I interact with Caleb, it usually doesn't go very well. Usually it's him not sitting still during prayer, so I'm like stopping mid-prayer and yelling at him, Sit quiet! Be still! Be respectful! Say you love God! You know, it's like, it's just, this is wrong! I don't know, what am I doing? I don't know how to talk, but so we're, we're talking, and I said, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, sometimes I want to give you a hug, and I put my arms out, and I go, Caleb, I want a big hug, and sometimes you just go, yeah! And he walks on, right? You don't have to take the hug, and yet, one of the ways that we can do, one of the things we can do in things like even prayer is that, that, they, that in Jesus, God has his arms wide out, whether you hug him or not. Our only job is to say, yeah, I'll take the hug. And so we sat, and, it, and as we got, we ended up sitting there and, and holding hands and praying and asking God to come into his life this morning. And he, it's amazing. Because every time that happens, it's a miracle. Because I can't manufacture an open heart, and neither can you. And yet sometimes what God does is he says, I want you to be a part of, the, of changing somebody's life. And your only job is to be obedient and to respond to what I'm already doing. You don't save anybody. But sometimes I'm going to allow you to invite somebody who's actually open to come into a small group to learn about me. I'm going I'm to allow you to be part of inviting someone to, to come here. And to put up with nights that are great, nights that are not great, and, and, and see their life change. I, perhaps I'm even going to allow you to, be, to, to respond to what I'm doing in somebody's life, my Holy Spirit's doing, and say, hey, sounds like maybe we should pray. And they begin to take that step. My hope for us is that we would be a community that would, that would act, but ultimately would respond.
God will do amazing things. So here's the deal. We're going to respond now. And uh, here's my encouragement. Um, we're going to have worship team come up, and, and um, Gabe's going to begin by playing. By the way, uh, Gabe's coming in and leading for us, uh, guest leading, and I just want to say thank you uh, for jumping in and helping. Yeah. So, um, here, here's how we respond is, um, you know, first of all, however you need to, but I, I want to challenge you with a couple of things. Take the card that's there and uh, uh, respond with this. What's your thanks? What is it you look and go, gosh, thanks, you're good. Um, begin, you begin to look and see that God is acting outside of you, and, all you, and that's where you kind of go, thanks, instead of going, here's what God isn't doing, here's what I don't have, Here, here's why life is beating me up. You can begin to say, okay, well, the fuller picture is actually God is doing something, so give thanks. Second is, what, what's your prayer? It could be a prayer for you. As you begin to... It, just allow yourself for a moment right now to dream. Before you have a sense where reality and cynicism kicks in and you know your own will it doesn't work, just dream for a little bit and think about what does God have in store, at least in Colossians. What does God have in store for you? If you could dream, what is that for your life? Maybe for the life of your family or your friends or a coworker. Maybe what do you pray for, for our city? What's your prayer? I don't care what it is. What's your prayer? That's your job. God does it transform, but he asks us to pray. I mean, what's your question? And this is for me. And I, I, well, what we're going to do is put a clothesline up. And I want that's over our next uh, few weeks is just to have prayer sit in the back. Because I get, I get to come up and share with you and share my prayer and share kind of the vision of convergence and what we're about. And, and yet, just as important as your prayer. It's the prayers of the people that when we pray, God moves. And sometimes what we need to know is we just need to, we just need to hear it. And, it, and for me, it, your job is tell me the questions because not every week is going to be awesome for you, but some, I, only, I need to know what's your question. And sometimes that's our job. Our job isn't to answer or to figure it all out from the beginning. Our, our job is to simply say, God, what about this? God, how do I handle this? God, um, I don't get this. What's your question? Ask it, and um, that'll that will help me as I think about and and the, bringing our speakers. What is it that we need to be at least touching on, perhaps as we as we go through our time together? So, what's your question? What's your prayer? What's your thanks? And we'll hang the prayers in the back uh, as a as an offering um, for God. So we're going to worship, and then we're going to spend some time uh, in worship. Um, let's, let me just pray for us, Lord. Thanks for our time, and. Um, Thanks for this new year and what it has in store. Uh, Lord, thanks for your faithfulness to us last year. Lord, I pray that we would be able to uh, be people that let our, our doing and our action um, come out of a, of a sense of, of your love and your embrace. That, that what we do would be driven uh, not by fear, not by a sense of, of being alone, not by a sense of being deficient, but that what we do, because well, this, as this passion said, we're called to work hard. Nobody gets out of working hard. And Lord, yet, let, yet Lord, we want to be fruitful. We want at the end of our day um, for people to say, as they have said over and over again, hundreds of times, 
Uh, I know on, on Connie's site, Connie lived, uh, lived well. Lord, we want to live well. So show us what it looks like to take a, a baby step today to respond to you and to live as people who are joyful because you have poured out your grace on us. Praise in your name.